you know, I always tell people whenever there's a match made, there's a unique opportunity to, as a matchmaker, to be on the front row seat of what God is going to do in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's 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 the most exciting thing. And so I've I've heard Jill say it that the mental coordinator position is the best job in the whole wide world. Kind of being on that front row watching what God is going to do in the life of an adult and a kid for His glory. So good stuff. Yeah. 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 Hey, See, I Delaney, told you he was better at making speeches than me. I was like, just wait, <laughs> Carlton will get you pumped up. <laughs> oh my God. So the name when y'all make a match, um, how do y'all what do y'all do after y'all make a match? Do y'all do y'all what do y'all do? Uh before the match or on match day? After the match. So just to give you an example, we at Mark Gospel Village used to uh take a picture and send to everybody on staff and kind of say, hey, we celebrating the match. Here, what they do is they'll ring a bell. Oh. Everybody will come out. Uh-huh. Everybody will come out. I'll show you here because I got some flexibility here. <laughs> so we have this uh, this bell here. And uh, so every, they'll ring this bell. And, nice. and so everybody will come out their office because there's something important to be said. And uh, uh, and so what the awesome arm guys, please, what's up, man? Uh, <laughs> awesome arm guys. Yeah. Hey, man. This, uh, okay, I'm on this uh, national phone call with Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. Typically, when we ring that bell, what happens is we've made a match, and so um, come on out in the office and we spend some time in uh talking about the relationship, uh, who got matched, what we're excited about about the match, and different things like that. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, sorry about that. I, I shouldn't have rang that bell. Everybody thought <laughs> Oh, man, that's funny. What, what do you guys do? So we pretty much just, like, post it on social media, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, pictures. And, um, you know, we try and send out a newsletter about every two weeks. So we also try and announce it there. And, yeah. Uh, you know, in our match, we do something that I found online that I really liked during the match meeting. We have the kids like do a drawing during the match. So they draw like a, a person and then we talk about what a mentor should be. And it, it's kind of meta, but like, do you think they should be good at listening? We'll then draw like ears. Do you think they should be nice? Draw a smiley face. And it kind of gives the kids something to do to make it a little less awkward. And so we usually try and like share those like pictures too of what their expectations are going in the match. And, and we save all those, you know, little drawings and stuff. So that's something fun that I didn't do at the beginning, but I really like doing now as kind of an icebreaker. But yeah, I like the bell thing. Once we get some more people around to come out of their offices. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. It came from um it came from kids across America where um a kid would get saved and the staff would come out and uh, just pray and be excited about the fact that um the kid got saved. That's awesome. And so we want to anticipate a kid getting saved. We want to pray for the salvation and the spiritual transformation of the mentor is what we're doing. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Donovan Carber. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good to see Ooh. you. Donovan is the man, and he is the co-creator of the Bible for Mentoring Relationships 
the supervisor mentor relationship. So if you don't have that, please grab you two copies, one for you to mark up and another person to have to equip them. I'm, I'm, hey, I'm waiting on my, uh, my, my endorsement fee. Uh, yeah. you're, you're too kind. Oh, good to no, see you, no. Carlton. Good to see you, Dan. Good, good to see you. Good or to see you. Good to see you. Well, Donovan, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you and what you do real quick, and then uh, everybody should be caught up because everybody else know each other, but I don't okay. know if they know all of who you are and what you do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, great. Thanks. So my name's Donovan Carver. I'm, I live in Wichita, Kansas. I work with the Christian Association of Youth Mentoring. I'm the National Field Director. So um, I, I do a lot of the training around the country, and we have an online training platform that we train groups through. And so I work with Peter Vanacore. I've worked with him for about 13 years. And prior to that, I, I helped run a mentoring ministry in Wichita, for, Wichita, Kansas, for 10 years. And so um, Peter and CYM really helped our mentoring program uh, to, to be a lot more effective and efficient and sustainable and safe. So, so um, it's great to see. I met up with Carlton a few years ago, got a chance to go meet, visit with him and when he was in Tyler and <laughs> uh, he introduced me to Danae, got to go out and meet up with her out in Washington state. So great, great to see you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then Steven, so Donovan will know who you are. Won't you say a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Stephen Murray, and I'm the director of mentoring at Forerunner Mentoring in Dallas, okay. on the north, northeast side of Dallas. So now uh, Carlton has come over to the, the Dallas side once again. <laughs> the so, dark side. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I oversee recruiting, screening, training, and managing mentor relationships. And we have uh, roughly 60 kids in our program, K through 12. So trying to get them all mentors. That is awesome. And so what, you said Northeast Dallas, what, what uh, suburb town are you close yeah, to there? Right next to, well, it's the Lake Highlands neighborhood. So just, okay. just Northeast of White Rock Lake. So within the 635 loop. Okay. It's one of the most diverse areas of the North side of Dallas. Um, there's a, a large refugee population and a large, socioeconomic status, uh, diversity. So it's a fun spot to be. Great. I'm just looking here. I've got a friend of mine that lives in Lucas, which I guess is just a little bit. Yeah. Northeast of here. Yeah. Northeast. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, great to meet you. Yeah. Well, well I got guys, to find that book. Hey, I got an extra copy, but you do want to buy one for all your mentor coordinators. I think it's worth the, the $10 in Carlton Five dollar fee. We'll put the five dollar uh, fee on top. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Way we're trying to execute it is everybody get one is mandatory reading as you come on. So what we're trying to do is have a 90-day success plan. And part of a mentor coordinator's journey toward becoming an excellent mentor coordinator is to read the Bible on mentoring uh relationships, supervisor mentor relationships, and then to reinforce it is to choose a chapter each month to kind of go through and walk through so that it doesn't become something that just sits on the shelf, but you have a regular discussions about it. Yeah. And you can contextualize it to your particular organization. But uh, and, a lot of great stuff in there. We're using it. Um, I mean, it's so good, so many good concepts, but we have some team leaders now who are um, 
volunteers and leaders of mentors in their churches. And then Jordan's getting started. So we're doing like a monthly team leader lunch. Um, and we're going to go through like, I mean, we talked, we did it last month, but we're going to talk through kind of what's going on with everyone. But then we also are doing like one case study each month from the manual. So very, very helpful. Awesome. 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 Donovan, you know, I, I think that probably does your heart good to know that the Lord is using your work in various <laughs> places. I want you to know that you're a blessing to, to us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I mean, I worked at a mentoring program for 10 years and the first couple of years we had no clue what we were doing. So I, I learned a lot of lessons the hard way, and I wish I would have had some sort of guide or manual to, to help us. Um, so that's, that's what Peter and I created, is a manual to help uh, supervise the mentoring matches, because we, we feel like that's one of the most important pieces to keeping your mentoring program safe and effective and keeping mentors and kids matched long-term. So. I do apologize. Okay, here's what we're gonna do today. Uh, we're going to talk about this idea. Last time we talked, we talked about recruiting and, and how to really get mentors in. And so now we're going to talk about the second part today. Now, once we have them in, how in the world do we match them? Um, I, I'd like to investigate a couple of different things. Um, what does, uh, how, do, how do you make a successful match? What are some red flags? Um, in making matches that, that maybe you shouldn't make a match or you should be cautious with this match? What process do you use in matching people? You know, so I want to kind of talk about matching. And with the goal of all of us are doing matching, how do we create successful matches that last for as long as the Lord will have them? We all know that people walking in and out of kids' life does more damage than good. So we want to, we don't want to reinforce that. But yet, we can get into a hurry and an excitement and looking at the need of the kid who really needs a mentor. We can sometimes just place them with somebody who may or may not be the best person with for that person or vice versa. So what is it that we can do to make quality matches that, that last, you know, for as long as God would have them? So with that in mind, uh, Danae, what are some things that you're learning? learning so much but <laughs> um so we do use a match uh matchmaking worksheet just from association of youth mentoring very basic like what are the preferences of the parent and the mentor and the child common interests um and then any concerns and um so you know we kind of use that as we go through we create a profile for the mentor and then profile for the student. And so it's pretty easy to see like they overlap interest wise and personality wise. Um, that's uh, something. And then, you know, we, we for sure take at least 24 hours and pray through it. Sometimes we do the match making sheet with multiple mentors and a kid to see like, Oh, here's, you know, here, here's how different people would interact with this kid or, you know, things like that. And then I think one of the biggest things that I've learned was something that Peter had said months ago was something along the lines of the more problems or risk factors that a kid has, the more competency the mentor needs to have, which was something I kind of intuitively knew, but I've really been trying to quantify that a little bit more of like, oh, like this is a child in foster care and they've been through three types of abuse. Like this is one of the hardest cases we will have. And so is this mentor one of the most skilled mentors I've ever seen? I mean, that's like a really, I would never tell people like where you rank in your skills, but I'm really kind of asking that question of, 
is this person really, are they used to dealing with hard kids? Are they used to, you know, or are they just kind of used to your average kids or their own kids or, you know, whatever. And so with that in mind, I'm trying to be a little more cautious about that just to, you know, put people in a situation that they are prepared for and have the skills for. And so even we have one kid that has been waiting for a mentor for a few months and we've been matching other kids, but it's just like, he's such a high needs kid that I'm like, I'm not matching you until I have the perfect mentor for you. That is something I have learned that I wasn't quite aware of at the beginning. I mean, maybe intuitively, but yeah, it's something I'm really trying to be more intentional about this fall. Can I ask a question today? Sure. When you, when you said you involve some of the mentors in that process of looking at the, the matchmaking document? No. Sorry, if, if that was the impression. No, I, I will sometimes throw out a little like hint of it. Like, like I knew we've had a girl in foster care who's been waiting since May. And so pretty much all the females I've interviewed recently, I've been like, how would, you know, kids in foster care are super challenging, but how would you feel about that? You know, I, I'll kind of throw something out, but mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think anyone is self-aware enough to be able to make their own match personally. That may yeah. be arrogant of me, but. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, have you had situations where the, the mentor is saying, this is who I'm looking for? Cause I know we kind of have red flags related to their own preferences and seeing mm. they're coming in this, looking for a specific kind of situation. So yeah. how is that process? Um, pretty much the only way we're allowing them to express preferences are we have two areas. So one is we do try and accommodate like age to range to a certain extent. Like I do respect the fact if, if you connect better with third graders and you're a third grade elementary school teacher and you've always taught third graders, like you don't want a 16 year old, that's scary. So we do, you know, do our best to respect that. And, and, and we tell our mentors be flexible, but if you do have a strong feeling And then um, we do also try and take in both the child's preference and the mentor's preference when it comes to, we have some mentors that are envisioning kind of their whole family being involved. Like Mm -hmm. we like have a husband and wife who are both mentors and they have four kids and like they mentor like as a family, really, they do some one-on-one stuff, but really it's like on a, on a monthly basis, they're doing a lot of like come to our house for a movie night with our family. And so I, I asked the mentors that like, how do you see your family being involved? And then I also yeah. asked the kids, do you do, would you do well in this family kind of setting or would you do well just really one-on-one you and this special person you can talk to? And so we, we try and incorporate that as well. That's really nice. So I think that's an issue that we face too, is because it can look different. And some of our kids, they might go home early from our after school program. But if a mentor is looking to mentor in the after school program, that's like we've completely yeah. crossed our wires. So Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, we, we kind of note all of that as well. Like we make notes of that in our match form. So for example, when a, a match that we're about to make, the, the girl like lives, she's in foster care and she, her foster care is like 30 miles away. And so I really wanted to match her with a mentor who could definitely eat lunch with her at school just to, to make it easier on the mentor that they're not every week having to drive 60 miles, um, kind of lightening that load. And so there were some other mentors that probably would have worked with her just personality wise, but we were waiting for someone that had kind of a different schedule that they could either do a pickup right after school or, you know, meet during lunch. So, yeah. yeah. 
That's awesome. Lots of factors to consider. <laughs> yeah. How um, heavily uh, has the common interest thing been weighed in your matching process? I mean, because it, it sounds like you have common interests, concerns, and the connections, yeah. like schedule-wise. Do you kind of weigh all those similarly? I guess if I were to rank it just off the top of my head, I would say skills of the mentor is the number one thing, um, like how challenging the kid is and how, how skilled the mentor is. I think second, I would weigh the preferences for one-on-one versus family involvement. Third, I would probably weigh potentially schedule. And then I would say fourth would be interests. Now, of course, like we want to, I mean, there's, there's general interests of like, it's a kid that's super hyperactive and wants to run around outside all the time. And then it's a retired lady who wants to teach a child, a child to quilt. That would not be a good match. So in general, yeah. <laughs> in general, but I am not always looking at, oh, you like fishing and you like fishing. That's a very specific thing. Um, because honestly, we really emphasize with our mentors doing a variety of activities and asking the child what they want to do. And honestly, I think a lot of our mentors end up doing about the same things. Like mm-hmm. if you're doing it for a year, you're going to end up going to the movies, going to the library, going to the park going out to eat. I mean, those are really common things. And yes, occasionally you may have a giant craft project or a hunting trip or something like that, but a quilt quilt isn't a very normal thing on our, for our mentors. Oh, oh. (laughs) we are very quilty out here. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, sorry. Something happened to my internet. Did the call drop or anything like that? Or y'all kept going? I was out. We kept going. No. Yeah. So Danae just walked through a lot of different things that go into her matchmaking process. And I had her rank them, which I think is helpful. She said the first thing she looks for in a match is the mentor skills. Then two, how the mentor expects to do mentoring, whether that's one-on-one or with his family and how that dynamic works with the kid. And then their schedule of how that connects with the kid's schedule and their availability. And then the last one was common interests, which that is something that I feel like I have focused on and so that's interesting to to hear where it falls for you. And I think that it makes sense. So. And I guess I would add, it's the unquantifiable of like, we pray about everything. We get an impression from a mentor. Even if a mentor says, I'm extroverted, I'm like, are you are you really you know and so some of that is just this imagining as we're praying like how would they do mesh and that's kind of it's not always based on something they wrote down on the paper but just that element of prayer um yeah Stephen when you hear Danae talk and she so eloquently walked us through the uh supervisor mentor relationships 2.0 um would you add anything to the match process oh man I I mean I I think for for from my experience the the main deal for me is to make sure mom likes the mentor which mm-hmm. which ultimately has has honestly been one of the the main pieces that I try to bring home in that first meeting that's like that first meeting is kind of going to resolve whether this relationship is going to go somewhere I know that sounds like heavy, but that's just been my process because ultimately if I can sit mom down and cast vision for why this guy is in the room and have him share his story and then have her share her story, then make that relational connect of like, we're, we're in this together. 
but that's that's been the main thing and all the work i put in of figuring out if they played soccer or they like soccer okay well, this kid likes soccer i need a soccer player like sometimes that just naturally happens that i didn't expect but i i i don't think i've thought through much on all of the uh, i think probably the one thing i've thought through is can this mentor come to the after school program because if he can't I have kids that aren't in our after-school program that I would prefer them to go mentor rather than have them struggle through a mentor relationship where it doesn't work with their schedule. So I feel like the schedule thing has been really the only thing other than making sure they're a positive, they're going to be a positive mentor and they're committed, if that makes sense. I focused more on their committedness and how it's going to work with their schedule and then then focus on the relationship. So um, you mentioned about making sure the, the parent really likes the mentor. Any tips on how to do that? Because to be honest, I typically just monopolize the conversation. I typically say, here's this person's life story. Here are their interests. And here is why I think they're a great match. Like I do a long commercial, honestly, to kind of break the ice. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't put a lot of pressure on the the family to, you know, tell about themselves or open up at all. And I don't put a lot of pressure on the mentor even, you know, I say like, you want to tell them about yourself, but sometimes I'm, I mean, everybody's awkward. So I just typically put that burden Very on awkward. myself to like be everybody's cheerleader and get everybody pumped up about each other. Yeah. I, I love addressing the awkwardness because ultimately it is always awkward but i just set the mentor up i'm like hey i'm setting this meeting for you to meet them and i want you to tell them your story mm -hmm. of why like what led to you coming here and why you want to mentor her kid and that's hard because the mentor has never seen this kid before and so he's kind of walking in i want to mentor and really in that first meeting and just kind of interacting with the kid the first time, he is having to communicate his committedness to mentoring and he's excited about the relationship. And then, and then I want her to reciprocate. And so I tell her, I want you to tell him your story. And, and I tell her, no pressure. If you don't want this relationship to happen, you can tell me afterward, but I still want you to tell your story. And the times that I've been able to do that and get out of the way have have proven to build that lasting relationship between them where I don't have to be on the text message between them. I don't have to, to lead it. It's just kind of self-driven. The, the mentor already knows what I expect of him. There's other ways of doing it, but I've, I've done what you said of just kind of selling it. And then I realize I've been talking the whole time and now their relationship has me in the center. And so they both now see me as the center of their relationship, which in a way I am, I am a part of it, but trying to figure out how much I'm inserting myself there. Is that putting more work on me? Is that taking the responsibility away from my mentor? And so, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but. No, it's great. Thank you. Hey, uh, Donovan, you're sitting here listening. I know your heart is going wild. Uh, what would you, as you're listening to these guys talk, add to the conversation or, or have us to consider in terms of, of, of the match process? I, I really like what you guys are doing. I, I think I, I've got a couple thoughts. One just from research, from the mentoring researchers, they, they identify the common interests between the mentoring kid as, as one of the key things that they've seen leads to long-term matches, which I've seen that play out. And if you've mentored a kid and you and the kid like doing the same thing, 
it makes your outings together real easy because you can always, if I, if I like to play basketball, the kid likes to play basketball, we can always go play basketball and we're going to have a positive outing, you know? So it's easy. It makes it easy. And so if, if you're, you know, if you're going to be mentoring this kid for five, eight, ten years, that really helps <laughs> rather than struggling to, you know, have something that activities that don't quite mesh. So uh, that, so that's one thing. I think um, Danae mentioned this, and, and it's something I, I saw identifying how high risk the kids are, how challenging they are, and then, you know, rating your the mentors. Can they handle this type of kid? And so the, the tougher kids, you're going to need mentors with higher commitment level, higher motivation levels, uh, just high, greater experience working with kids. And, and so you, you don't want to give your easiest kids that you've got to match to your most talented mentors. It, you know, almost any mentor could ha handle this, this moderate kid, but th this uh, high-risk kid, challenging kid, you, you know, you've got you to bring a mentor that can equally handle it. So, I mean, that's, that's something to think about. And then the, the other thing I was just thinking about is I, I think the challenge for, for everyone in mentoring programs is you know when you're talking to a kid what type of mentor he needs. Uh, same thing when you're meeting the mentor. You, you, after you interview him, you, you know what kind of kid would be a good fit for that mentor. But what, what mentoring programs, the, the challenge is that we're limited to the pool of prospective kids and the pool of prospective mentors we have. And we can't always wait, you know, to find that for that kid to come along or that mentor to come along that's going to make the perfect match. That's the question I was going to ask is how, <laughs> how long do you let a mentor sit? But you're just like, man, you know, I could just pair him with, with a kid that's waiting, but should I wait until, you know, how long do you wait? So, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think you don't want to keep mentors waiting too long. You know, kids can wait longer, but I, I wouldn't have a mentor wait more than six months. I mean, I think so. I mean, so that's a challenge. You, you've got to do the best sometimes with what you've got. And, you know, it, it'll work. You, you do you do the best and you provide good match support and it, it'll work. So. And you said six months. I thought you were going to say one month. So you think, yeah. I mean, you know, a mentor is willing to wait six months to be paired. Well, I, that's that's like from the the time that you've uh, interviewed them. Yeah, gotcha. So, and so I guess my thought, Donovan, I'd be curious to like run this by you. My thought, and kind of Mo has been high skills mentors. I'm not gonna like keep them as like, ooh, this is my prize, and I don't want to match you until I have a really hard kid. I want to go ahead and get them out there with the hardest kid that we have. Um, but it's more the like, ah, kind of like awkward mentors that need a really special kid. They're the ones that I would probably really wait. Sure. So yeah, no, I think that's good. Yeah. The only other thing I was going to mention is we've had some programs that do this with, with the matching in that they kind of do a little bit of a hybrid mentoring program where the, the first couple meetings, probably the first two or three meetings, they meet as a group. So they kind of take a group of mentors through at the same time. So maybe you've got 10 mentors that you've, you've trained. And so um, you do 10, you do group activities and just see which mentors naturally connect with which kids in those group activities. And in and, and looking at you, it, it helps you to, to get a natural fit. And then you match off of that. So that's, that's just another way where where it's not so much 
you're you're determining it. You're you're actually providing opportunities to see which mentors and kids connect naturally. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I want to make sure y'all know that Mr. Peter Vancor is on the line. Peter Vancor is uh, all of our uh, spiritual dad in terms of mentoring. And so uh, we want to give him a chance to talk with us. Peter, we are talking about the match process and really we're aiming at creating long lasting relationships. And so we've identified our processes. I haven't spoken anyway. I, and I, we're trying to understand how to best make matches. And also what are some red flags that we should take a look at? We haven't discussed that yet. What are some red flags that we can look at in the match process that maybe we should match a mentor with a mentee or vice versa? So maybe give us your wisdom, um, your many years of experience on most lasting. Okay, thank you. Sorry, I'm late. I, I'm I'm in New York City right now, and so it's just a little difficult. I'm driving. Um, a couple couple of things. One, I think Donovan is as as more expertise in this than I do, and I, I go with a lot of, of his uh, thoughts. But when I'm looking at mentors that I I I'm, I'm not sure about matching, I if I'm not sure, I'm not going to match him. That's just it. And I'm looking more than anything else is their commitment level, their ability to overcome adversity and stick with something that can be tough at times. I just came up, up yesterday meeting with the program I started with uh, almost 40 years ago and I met with the executive director. And you know they don't have volunteers drop out. They just don't. And, and part of it is that they they make sure that the people are very committed. And so you want to look at that commitment level. And, uh, and it's, it's not that all easy to determine, I think, at times. Um, and some places say they try to make it as hard as possible to become a mentor so that you, <laughs> so that they see how committed they are. That's, that, that's uh, counterproductive. And, and just as the opposite is, it's making it easier for the a mentor. So, uh, but all I can say is just you want to look at that commitment level. Um, Danae said that uh, she would she waits on the person who is awkward. I I agree with that. You want to wait on the awkward person. But if you have a highly skilled mentor, um, I'm with Donovan. You want to make sure you have some kid that is one is is really going to benefit fully from that mentor. Two is that uh, some mentors need more of a challenge than others. You know, if you match them with a the kid who's too easy, they're, they're gonna be saying to you, and I've just had this happen to me a month ago, the mentor's going, oh, you know, this kid doesn't need me. <laughs> and, and, and it probably doesn't need all the skills this guy has, you know, but he's, he's doing a great job, but he's just like, this, he's, he's not satisfied in the relationship. He wished he could be with someone who really had great uh, needs. So I think you have to balance things off and I think we all agree, it's a lot of times it's prayer uh, of a group of people coming together, pray. I, I say the final thing I'm going to say on it is we never, ever, ever let one person make the decision on who to match and, and with whom to match. It's got to be a team decision. One person will, it, it's just not good enough. You need people praying together, uh, meeting uh, the, the mentor, and then you decide. Does that help? Absolutely. You had everybody in the aisle. We were, we were just writing everything down, <laughs> trying to make sure this was recorded. Is this recorded? Okay, we got to get that. Yeah. Jill just joined the conversation as well. Uh, she's in my office. So, so Jill, we're talking about making matches. We're talking about the process we use in making matches, as well as we just asked Peter for red flags and we shouldn't make a match. 
What, 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 what do you think is important to make it a match? Um, hey guys, like the staff members should have so much excitement, like they've never done a match before in their whole entire life. And they're so pumped to introduce this adult to this child. That's the first thing that comes to mind. And, uh, but to be so, you know, they come to our building first and then we go to the home. And so that time at the building one-on-one -on -one, is super important. You're going over information. You're teaching again. Because when they sat through your information session, they got like a tenth of what you really told them. So you're looking at them eyeball to eyeball saying, okay, we advise you not to spend a lot of money when you first start the relationship. You know, stuff like that, that they're going to get. And you're going you're gonna to be vulnerable and you're going to say, hey, I remember the first time I ever met a kid. I wanted to pee my pants. You know, like, so that they like, they get like, oh, it's okay that I'm scared. It's okay that I'm nervous. You gotta just be on their level. I just came from a cohort that talked about the importance of vulnerability in leadership. And so we just gotta be there for them. But to totally encourage them, say, you can do this. Who knows what the Lord's gonna do in your life with this little kid? Like the possibilities are endless. Like, let's wait, buckle your seatbelt, sister. Like, who knows what's gonna happen? I think like that stuff is important. And this is all like the day of that I'm talking about. Um, and then to, you know, we visit with um, the parent, the mentor coordinator, the mentor. Um, and I asked the child, like, hey, what do you think a mentor is to get the kid to kind of hear their take on it? And then you can be like, man, you're totally right, you know, and or you could say, well, I think you, you're on the right track. But then kind of explain it because they're little and they don't get it. You know, I think that's really fun. Um, and to be like. Hey, why in the world right now, unfortunately, a lot of our mentors are white. And so I say, why would this white, this old white lady come across the bridge and want to be friends with you? And um, they're like, well, I don't know, you know, and I, and I say, well, I'm like, because they love Jesus and they want you to know who Jesus is. So there you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited just hearing that. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's so good, Jill. I remember I asked a kid that. I was like, what do you think a mentor does? He was like, takes me to McDonald's. <laughs> so I had to, had to retrain that one a little bit, but it's awesome. So, so what other questions and thoughts do y'all have around making a match? I love the traditions y'all were saying about celebrating the relationship. I feel like we don't we don't have that. It's all just kind of connected to the, the own relationship. So I feel like we need to step up our game on celebrating. I just wanted to show y'all real quick the thing I mentioned earlier because it goes right with what Jill was saying. This is what we have the kids do. So we have them color while we're doing the match. And because I've asked them, what's a mentor? And they're like, Oh, I don't know. So we, we do it. And then I ask them, what's your mentor be? And they like list things. So we have like kind words, seems kind. And this is like a teenager did this of more mm -hmm. anime style, but anyway, and they see in the office, the ones that the other kids have done. So sometimes they're copying something, but that's a good icebreaker to help them, you know, and, and we kind of guide them through it, especially if they're younger, like maybe you could draw ears because they're a good listener. Maybe that could be helpful and help you with something. How could you draw that? You know, that kind of thing, getting them thinking abstractly. But that's a good, it, it really helps. The matches that I didn't do that were way more awkward 
than the ones where the kids have something that they're coloring on. It goes way better in my opinion. Do they, do you do your matches at the building? Uh, we do it wherever the parent wants to do it. Okay. So we either do it at the building or the home or school. Carlton, I, I'd like to hear what, just your thoughts. You, you've been doing this for a while. Yeah, I think whatever Jill says, that's what we don't do. <laughs> that's first. I, I, I did not hear anybody talk about the spiritual maturity level of the mentor. And I think that's probably the biggest thing for me is where's the mentor spiritually? So, you know, I think sometimes we're looking at different groups of people to match with kids. You know, you talk about college kids, you're talking about people that come from a fluent background who are going to be working with kids in the hood. And so just where are people spiritually and how are they looking at the relationship as you try to bring them into it, to me, is very important. And because um, it, it, it lets me know, do I have to do some retraining, some sensitivity training, some challenging your orthodoxy to be your orthopraxy? Will this person have the fortitude spiritually to make it through the mentor relationship? I think it's so important. And so I think, you know, when you look at that champion mentor, that, that blue chip kind of mentor, four-star high-level mentor, to me, at the top of the paradigm is somebody who loves Jesus passionately and is going to pray through the relationship and refer to scripture and live that out in the relationship. And that's what makes them a top-notch mentor to give to your toughest kid. And if they don't have that, that's okay. I just, I just know, you know, I'm just ranking my mentors and spiritual uh, maturity is, is something that should be on the list somewhere to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then a red flag, uh, a red flag for me is a person who has the wrong idea about what mentoring is. Mm. And so a, a person who comes down self-serving, thinking that they're somebody's savior, uh, uh, that's a red flag to me. A person who, uh, like I was in a meeting yesterday with some guys who've been coaching with us, and one of the dudes referred to our kids as those kids or um man, those kids are bad. Or um, when he said like yeah, four different things and I almost choked him. He was sitting right next to me because it was just killing me. His thoughts, his imagination, his idea of the kids from our neighborhood who we love so dearly, who are made in the image of God, who we know God has such precious promises and such a big plan for them. Look at how he sees them. He shouldn't be with none of our kids until he gets an understanding. And so, um, the, I'm sorry, I got passionate. <laughs> that was good, though, Carlton. Carlton, that you you keep going. All right. <laughs> Peter, Peter's our spiritual dad. I gotta get you know some encouragement. <laughs> well, um, those, are, those two things I think about, Peter. Go ahead. I'm gonna. I was gonna ask you a question because I like what you were saying. And how do you judge or how do you determine the spiritual maturity of someone when you're with them? Uh, what are those signs that you're looking for um, as, as as you are? I think that's a real key thing, but it's it's often difficult to determine. Can I tell you something I'm real passionate about? I was once that girl that Carlton was talking about. I didn't have a clue years ago. Um, can I get an amen from y'all? So in an opportunity where someone's acting a fool and saying stuff like that, we have an opportunity. We have to stand up for our kids and say, you know what? A better way to talk about our kids is yada, yada, yada. Then look at the demeanor of the mentor. If the mentor is shocked and feel, and you can tell they feel sad and they feel teachable and they look teachable and they're learning, that's what we want. We don't want a cocky head that's going to be like, oh, whatever, right? We don't want that. But 
I feel passionate about giving white people that don't have a clue getting to know Jesus in a different way because they rub elbows with someone different than them. So there's a balance, right? Exactly what Carlton was saying. Hey, you've got to, you know, be, be wary and don't just let everyone sign up. But also I feel really sensitive because I was that person and somebody, somebody allowed me in their ministry and the Lord took hold of me, knocked me off my white horse and humbled me really quickly and I'm a different woman because of God's grace, because, not because of a program, but because of God's grace, he didn't give up on me and he, he taught me and showed me. You know what I'm saying? Can I just, can I just comment on that for a second? Yeah, go ahead, Peter. Absolutely. That the, I think that there might be a transition question or two in between where, where you went with that. And that is that when someone makes those comments like that, I think that for me, the most important thing is you ask, why do you feel that way about them? And find out their what what's the kind of the root underlying sense of, about them, and and then I ask them, you know, could you possibly be wrong about that? And then transition about what you know, going kind of right into a teaching from that point is kind is is uh, is going to be counterproductive. First of all, those people, it's going to be a long time before you match them anyway. But it's it's but to to kind of ask them and find out what has happened to them that they have either been indoctrinated in this way or some experiences they've had have led that, that way so that you can kind of find the core of what's going on. Peter, that, that's awesome. That really is awesome. That's training and teaching for us. So here's the deal, um, guys, we got nine minutes and I wanna do some housekeeping things real quick. So first of all, I have sucked at making sure we stay on track and getting things out. <laughs> the biggest job is to find reality. The reality is this thing is tanking unless we make some adjustments. So um, I want to nominate Stephen or Donovan to, to, to at least take the lead on making sure we have a schedule and we have a topic that we're going to talk about. Uh, anyone of y'all want to volunteer or cool with that? Or what, what do you think, Stephen? I think it's great. So if you want help with that, I'm, I'm more than willing to, to jump in. I think this has been really helpful, Carlton. And keeps keeps me on track and i mean every time we meet i got new questions i'm asking um myself i'm asking zach and it's making our organization better and i also i i never asked but can i invite more people in to this yeah yeah uh, yeah and, and for me uh, i think that's the goal is to have a community of people who are doing mentoring around the country that we get a chance to be in relationship with that use this as a chance to fellowship, to have fun, to get refueled. I'm looking for all these F's and to continue to follow Christ as we focus on mentoring relationships for his glory, for the good of our neighborhoods and community. Uh, I think that's enough F's, but um, <laughs> I think that would be a good goal. So I'd love to see 20 people on the call, uh, 30 people on the call. And then I would love for us to get together. Here's a, here's a vision that Peter gave me a while ago. I'd love to see us get together once a year in various places to celebrate what God is doing, to, to, to share uh, the best of what we have to offer with each other, and then to be equipped uh, to continue the journey. So I, I think, you know, maybe summer, uh, we look at doing some kind of get together, possibly here in Dallas, since most of us are here in Dallas, um, we'd be happy to host it. 
uh, or Stephen can host it. it. It doesn't matter to me. We, we are no, you know, we're totally humble. I just know we got some space and we could probably fit, you know, some people here to be real easy for us to host it. And I think some churches will buy into it. They can help pay for it or something like that. I, I welcome y'all to Dallas and then we can go somewhere else next year. But, but those are my two things. Yeah, get it on the calendar. I come to Texas at least twice a year, so, you know. <laughs> Peter is coming to reality, Peter. Yeah, yeah. You know, we used, we hosted a few uh, Christian mentoring summits. Uh, and we, we did uh, one in Atlanta, one down in Florida, and one in San Diego. And uh, I think they were extremely beneficial, but they were overwhelming for us to really kind of do. Uh, it really overwhelmed our staff for a while. We really haven't done it. So let, let me uh, let me pray for us and let's let's end with about eight minutes over. I apologize, that's my fault, but I appreciate y'all being on. Hopefully, you got somebody today, and we have a plan for next time. Thank you so much, Father. We come to you right now. We just pray for everybody here who's trying to work for your glory, doing what you come to do. Pray that you give us wisdom beyond our years. Pray for perseverance. Pray for spiritual transformation of those we serve. And I uh, pray that our lives will be transformed in the process. We love you, Lord. I trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great Amen. rest of the day. Thank you all so much.